Hi, welcome to Quid Pros Quo. I'm Rin. And I'm Zach. And today is our third world building episode. Don't expect me to count them all. I will forget by the end of the record. But today I do know it is our third world building episode. And we are talking about trade and economics in your world. Uh, and when we talk about world building economy, we aren't talking about calculating the GDP of your fictional kingdoms. But if you want to do that, then that's really cool. I don't even know how that happens. <laughs> like... If you want to practice your analytical economics instead of your fictional universe, go for it. We would love to. We'd love to look at it. Yeah, send it to us if you do it. Like, we make a spreadsheet. Send it to me. I love spreadsheets. Quidprosquo at gmail.com, please. So, when you're world building economies, you're answering a couple different questions. The first one is, what resources are important to this society? How are these resources obtained, and how are these resources disseminated throughout the society? So. When I think about this question, I'm reminded of when I had to take an intro to economics class, and my professor walked us through this thought experiment where he showed us how air becomes a valuable resource, and how when air becomes a valuable resource, we have to find some way to distribute that resource. So the the idea that he talked about was that the room that we were in was completely sealed shut so that no air could get in or out. So there was a finite amount of air. We had however many people in there, and we all need it, but we can't all have an infinite amount. And that was how he set up the, the rest of the semester. It's a similar thing that's going on when you're world-building an economy, is you're thinking about what are the resources that are, you know, what are the resources that are limited but are also valuable? Because there are some resources that are really very, very limited but aren't valuable because they're not useful. Um, and then there are other resources that are not very limited but are extremely valuable for whatever reason. So those are two things to think about. How useful is it and how scarce is it? Because that will impact the value of that particular good or service. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we also have this know that status can also play a role in like the value of goods and influence by severity and utility. And I don't remember if I put that one there. If you no, that was it. me. Okay. That was my techno babble. Um, when we're talking about status, I like to, we'll pick on NFTs for a second here because uh, people don't understand them. But part of the appeal of owning an NFT is the appeal of owning an NFT. Same thing with like Gucci or any designer brand. Any designer brand. The status, like having it becomes a status symbol. And so that increases its value, even though. There isn't anything particularly rare or useful about a handbag that has a Gucci label on it. I think it's also super important when you're thinking about trade and economics to think about the main exports and imports of your country. Mm -hmm. And this will complement your, like, what's rare in your country and what's valuable in your country because you'll be like, oh, my country is really, like... The example we'll bring in later in the podcast is the Silk Road. Yeah. All of that because China would export silk to Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and silkworms, to my understanding, just, like, do not thrive in Europe. Like, the climate's all wrong for them. Nope. Um, so silk was a really valuable research. So that was, like, a main import for a lot of European countries. Mm-hmm. But it was a main export for China. So you want to think about, like, again, the resources your country has and the resources it doesn't have, and then, like, how is it trading with other countries? You can also think about how it's being traded within the within your own country, the, mm-hmm. this fictional society, right? 
it, are we talking about a mostly egalitarian society where all resources are roughly equally distributed? Or are we talking about a hugely unequal society where, you know, the, say, for example, the top 1% owns over 50% of the economy? <laughs> weird, wow, right? that's a weird example. <laughs> where do you get that from? Oh, I don't know. I just <laughs> thought it up. Um, but if you have, like, if you have that, um, if you have it, disparities inside of access to access to resources or access to wealth, that's going to impact your culture, it's going to impact your society, and it's going to impact the broader, you know, the experience of the characters that are living inside of that particular society. So that's another thing to think about is how is it traded within the within the, the country. Yeah, that's a really good point. And when you talk about trading there's, of course, like a bartering system where you're, like, trading goods for goods. Yes. Or goods for services. Mm-hmm. But something I've been really interested in is, like, money and, mm-hmm. like, specifically how we get, like, I mean, there's, like, the debate of, like, what to call your golden coins. Mm-hmm. Like, do you just call them gold, copper, silver, or whatever? Right. Um, and why are they gold, copper, and silver? And I watched a really interesting YouTube video, and I will link it in the document that will be linked in the show notes that we've mentioned in previous episodes um but world building corner on youtube seven metals of fantasy like why and they explains why gold silver copper and four other metals and i don't remember those off the top of my head but why they're common in fantasy and it's because they're common in real life history yeah uh and if you have done all the work about your orbital pattern your orbital dynamics orbital dynamics of your planets and you've done, like, a really great map, you will know where all these metals can be found on your map. And the video we're going to link also explains how to, like, where you find different metals in different locations on your planet. Um, But they're common in real-life history, and they're common because they're abundant, they're easy, they're, like, easily accessible, and because they're easy to smell. Like, you don't get iron or steel until much later because you need a really high, like, smelting temperature. Yep. Smelting... My sister had this experience with her friends where they're like, oh, smelting's not a real word. That's just something that happens in Minecraft. Nope, it's uh, a real word. And it's a real word, and it's a real thing. Smelting is when you, like, melt down the ores that contain the metals into a purified refined metal. Yeah. So that brings up an important aspect of how technology is it part of the economy. The kinds of technology that people have access to will influence the kind of resources that they care about. So if we're talking about, you know, Bronze Age empires where smelting and shaping bronze is kind of like the pinnacle of of their technological prowess, to those societies, uranium isn't going to be useful, mm-hmm. right? Unless you're talking about potentially um, hot springs. Yeah. Maybe. Um but for them, they're going to be more focused on, they're going to be focused on brass. They're going to be focused on copper. Um, probably more more interested in making sure that there's enough uh, water for irrigation and uh, water for drinking, food, clothing, you know, those sorts of, those sorts of things. Where once yeah. you start moving further, where you're talking about, you know, um, early modern civilizations where we're starting to get more into the printing press and um, large trans um, transoceanic ships, right? Mm-hmm. Then the kinds of resources become the kinds of resources become different. 
Another thing to think about is what qualifies as a resource inside of your society. Inside of Western cultures, land is a legitimate you, uh, land is a legitimate product, right, that you can buy and you can sell. Mm-hmm. In other cultures, land is not. It's something that... Everyone, like, shares. It's communal. It's communal. And it's outside of any... It's outside of ownership, right? You can't own X, mm-hmm. Y, or Z thing. Inside of the West, you can't own a, you can't own a body, which is why, at least in the United States, legally, you don't own your own blood. That's just one of those weird quirks of the legal system, which is also something that you can think through when you're thinking about the economy inside of these inside of these fictional settings. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I liked your types of resources because I also posited these resources that you're like buying don't have to be physical. Like we talk about NFTs, and that's like not a physical resource, right? But like information, mm-hmm. uh, I think there's a lot of potential and like political intrigue in a novel when they're buying and selling information. Yep. Uh, I recently went to a writing conference the other week and we came up with like just this like you know kind of shooting from the hip it's going to be a 1920s prohibition era New York City gay enemies to lovers mm-hmm. that you can't guess who's <laughs> the gay enemies to lovers um, but like rum runners yeah and it's like in that scenario like obviously like some of the goods are like the alcohol that the rum runners are mm-hmm. distributing, but also there's probably a lot of information being sold in that thing. So I think it's important to think of also the more metaphysical resources like information and knowledge. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an important thing to do. So in the last episode, you gave an example of geography world building. Mm-hmm. Let's, we've mentioned the Silk Road. Let's give an example or let's walk through an example of building an economy. I'll talk about um, the economy inside of the Black Crescent Mm -hmm. since I've thought about that. Inside of the Black Crescent, all, like all of human society is contained inside of one megacity. So everything that is produced inside of the city has to be produced, consumed, and disposed of within that one city. So with that in you know with that in mind, um, the way that the economy is set up is that you need to have um, you need to have these large um, hydroponics gardens, right? And that's where all of the food comes from, which then lends the question of okay, if it's you know if these are all the huge hydroponic gardens, who staffs them? Kind of thing. Who who decides who staffs them? How do you train to be? How do you train to become that? Moreover, because this arcology, you know, this big city, self-contained city, is inside of the desert, water is a big problem. Um, the conservation of water, the recirculation of water, the cleansing of water—that's something that is uh, that something that is a big deal. And so, part of you know, one of the things that's important inside of the society is access to water. Because of that, there is a large celebration at the end of the book about the first rainfall of the rainy season. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something about economics that's influencing influencing the culture. Yeah. Um, in addition, inside of the uh, inside of this setting, um, clean air is important so that they're not infected by the the zombie virus. Um, so they need technology that recycles the air and that cleanses the air and scrubs the air, which also means that when there is a breach inside of, you know, with the outside world, that there is con- there is a concern about people becoming infected, which forms the inciting incident for, for the book. 
um, you can think about who has access to the, you know, who has access to uh, medical care inside of this society. Well, since, uh, you know, violent zombie outbreaks are part of the part of the possibility space, healthcare is actually controlled by the military inside of this inside of this setting. It's not separate from it, but it's controlled by the by the military. Um, which gets into talking about the way that societies and governments are formed, which are all influenced by what are the resources, where are they going, and who who controls them. Yeah, awesome. That's, like, super cool. I remember, like, reading that, and I did not think that much about the economy, which goes to show the hollow iceberg, like, mm-hmm. and, like, Zach probably doesn't have, like, quite everything figured out. <laughs> like, he's no. pretty dang close. Um <laughs> But, like, it shows that, like, he knows way more than, like, I did as a reader. Mm-hmm. And that augmented my experience even if I wasn't, like, necessarily aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, do we have any other last things to talk about for world building, trade, and economics? Well, just what we – just kind of what we talked about just then. Considering the economy is really going to get wrapped up into the, into the way that society is – set up and it's also going to relate to the technology and that's something that you'll find a lot inside of world building is that as you start fleshing out one thing it's going to have implications for other fields so similar thing going on with the geography right mm-hmm. um when you met, mentioned in the last episode that you know you have these uh tropical storms that are a problem given the geography and we got to find a solution to that which leads to architecture, right? Where we're going to have scattered houses rather than houses in lines. That's also going to influence the culture. It's going to influence the way that society is set up. If people are living far apart from each other, what does that mean for individual households? So you're going to find that overlap in all of these episodes, but we'll pull it out here because it's the first time that it's like really super obvious. Yes. Um, Because good worlds are interconnected and... If you want your world to be believable, everything should be influencing each other. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, this has been Quid Pros Quo. Thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next time. Quid Pros Quo is hosted by DC Winters and CK Jensen. If you like this episode, be sure to leave us a rating. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at quidprosquo at gmail.com. For more episodes, check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts.